The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullick. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Fullick. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our first episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. My name is Alex Fullick, and I've been working in business continuity management and disaster planning for 20 years. I started off doing a small little contract for a bank where I just had to develop call trees for a, a project that was going on. And from there, that just grew into uh, 20 years of doing business impact analyses, working in tests and speaking at conferences around the globe and even writing several books. So I've been working with uh, presidents and vice presidents and insurance companies and financial institutions and even some government agencies. So I've worked with a lot of uh, different practitioners and professionals in the industry over the years and have learned many different uh, ways of doing things, including following some of the standards that are out there and just working nonstop at all of this. I really have a passion for it. I really believe that organizations, individuals, and communities should not have to suffer some of the impacts that disasters have. Now, of course, disasters will create impacts, otherwise they wouldn't be disasters. But if we can put plans in place and put processes in place, then we should be able to mitigate some of those impacts. And depending on what the situation is, maybe even completely remove some of those impacts. So over the coming weeks, we're going to be talking about the different aspects of business continuity management, emergency management, disaster planning, communications, and so many other related fields. A lot of people think that business continuity, disaster planning, or emergency management is simply, how do we get up IT? How do we get our technology up and running? But it is so much more than that. It encompasses fire prevention, it encompasses privacy, security, you know, our contingency plans, of course, evacuation plans, you know, it does incorporate technology, but there's other aspects too, like the, how do we get people knowledgeable, the awareness, the training, you know, who's responsible for creating some of these plans and processes, you know, and the certification requirements that go with it and the training aspects and all the individuals that need to come together to make it happen. So that's what we're going to be talking about over the coming weeks, and that's a little bit about me. And hopefully through each week, I will have a guest or two to be able to speak on specific aspects um, from project management to emergency management, uh, et cetera, and all the other items that I just mentioned. This week, 
My first guest, my honorary first guest, is a colleague I've been working with for a few years at the International Emergency Management Society. It is the president of the Global International Emergency Management Society, TEAMS, Mr. K. Harold Drager. Harold, how are you today? I'm fine, thank you. Uh, calling you from Norway. And how's the weather in uh, Norway? Oh, at the moment, a little bit rain, but uh, everything is green and fine, so we have a good summer. Oh, good. Uh, having been to Oslo, it's a beautiful city, you know, and uh, I can just imagine what it's like, you know, in the summertime. So, yes, Harold, let's talk about uh, you. Um, I'll hand it over to you and let you speak about yourself and what you've done over the years and how, where you've got to where you are today. Yes, uh, as you said, I'm, uh, uh, I'm based in Norway. And my education is engineering, both in uh, cybernetics and in um, industrial engineering. I have a degree from the Norwegian University and actually one from Purdue. And uh, by now, I have 50 years of experience working with safety and emergency and disaster management. Wow. And, uh, I worked for a long time with uh, 15 years with the Norske Veritas, which is a, a classification society in uh, shipping. And um, I learned a lot there, both from technical points of view, but also from the international point of view. This company today is merged with the Germanische Lloyds. They call them D&D uh, Germanische Lloyds, which is a huge international uh, company working with ship um, classification and safety. Oh, wow. in, uh, in 1993, I took the initiative to found the International Emergency Management Society because I thought we should have a main focus on emergencies and safety. Uh, at that time, I had my own company, so uh, I took the role of uh, vice president and until 19, uh, 2002, when I took over as president, and since then, that has been my full-time job. <laughs> I and I know you're quite busy on that. <laughs> well, it's uh, becoming a baby, because I'm a <laughs> pensionaire now, so I can devote my time to whatever I like to do. And even if this is a voluntary work, uh, it also has benefits coming into research and other activities. So my view on that, you do a lot of emergency, a lot of voluntary work, it will always benefit in the long run. Oh. Well, I know uh, you're certainly the man with the experience, 50 years. That's a lot of uh, dedication in this area. Yeah, it is. And I have been, uh, I've been... Um, uh, I have been into many things, worked in uh, many countries, and uh, uh, I think um, I learned a lot over the time, and I use this experience now for what it's worth in trying to, as uh, our goal in teams, is to make the world safer. 
Well, I know uh, when you say uh, traveling, um, if anyone knows Harold, uh, you certainly do globetrot. Uh, I know um, we're squeezing this in between two of your trips. I believe you were just in China, and uh, I think you're heading back there again and uh, somewhere else. Uh, I know you've always got a long list. <laughs> yeah, as I said, I'm lucky because when you travel, you meet a lot of good people and you meet different culture, and I think this is important also in emergency and disaster management because culture is one dimension which you have to, have to take into account when you work with global emergency management. Yes, I travel approximately 100 days a year for teams in different parts of the world, and I'm just now, tomorrow, I'm heading off for Thailand and Philippines, in Philippines, we will have an inauguration workshop of the, a new chapter. And uh, in Thailand, we will have a founding meeting and see if we can create a chapter in, uh, in Thailand as well. And I have follow-up meetings in China where we have a large and very active chapter. So it, you mentioned chapters. How many chapters does teams have? How many are you involved with and you know, when it comes to emergency well, management? Yeah, well, uh, actually, the Philippine chapter, which we now are establishing, is the 14th chapter. And, uh, yes, I'm involved with all of them because uh, this is uh, part, for us, I think this is the core of the organization. The momentum of the organization should be locally. And we should uh, think globally, but we have to act locally because of distances, because of traveling. So building strong local chapters is one of the fundamentals of teams. And we are in dialogue with more, um, more uh, countries which want to be involved in this work. It takes, you have to find the right people as long as we work voluntary. These people have to be interested in emergency management. They need to have the time and willingness to do voluntary work. And by doing that, they need to be connected with strong organizations locally and also have the support and good connections with authorities. Because authorities is, is uh, responsible in any uh, emergency. So we always try to have a good dialogue with them Whatever, whatever we do and wherever we are. That sounds good. You, you touched on a couple of things, you know, the, the volunteers, the people that are involved with teams and in emergency management. What kind of skills or what kind of knowledge do these people need to have when it comes to emergency management? And for that matter, matter what can you define for the listeners, what is emergency management? Let's get that clear. Well, let's uh, take the emergency management first, and this is how, uh, how do you handle any emergency or disasters. And actually, you started your opening to talk about what the uh, emergency management, but actually this involves every part of our life. In every decision we do, whatever we do, this is some kind of emergency decisions. But it is... The main phases of emergency management are mitigation, trying to make things as safe as possible based on the experience, based on uh, disasters happened in the past, 
And the next phase is preparedness, meaning how do you prepare for emergencies? And over the time, we build up experience, and you have to put this into the preparedness. And the next thing is response. Response meaning you have to respond to any emergency happening. And in the past, mostly authorities, government has been mostly focused on response. Be able to handle a disaster when it happens. What we are trying to do and to reduce uh, fatalities and make things easier, we like to move the focus, not forgetting response, but putting more focus on preparedness. And of course, after the, um, after the emergency or disaster, there is a recovery phase, which is as important as the other phases, because bringing life back to normal is important. So this is like a circle where when you first have recovered from an emergency, you need to use this wisdom, this learning, put it into your new uh, preparedness plans, your recovery plans, and how can you mitigate more in order to reduce the consequences if it happens again. So this is like a circle. So it's reoccurrence. You, you experience something, you learn from what you experienced, and then you put it into your plans and you keep going so that they build, become stronger and stronger. This is correct. And documentation is very, very important because you have to document what you find. And in this process, risk analysis is the important tool. And you should update this when you learn more because you have to pass all these things on to the next generation. So document what you do, uh, what is the lessons learned. Uh, unfortunately, we have seen very much in the past that the first lesson of lessons learned is we never learn. And we have to be better on this in order and teams, we have plans in order to build up a database of lessons learned where you can go in and actually uh, see is there something we have uh, experienced in the past which we can use, especially uh, in uh, societies which are not very much developed on preparedness today. So they can learn from, you know, so as an example, the new chapter of Philippines could learn from something that's happened in um, uh, one of the other chapters, you know, uh, and, and not, not just teams chapters, but anywhere in the world where they can learn something. You're absolutely right. And, and, uh, two, I, uh, two things in what you said, uh, there is, uh, w what we also have found is that, uh, even societies, which is not very, very well developed, they have a way to handle emergencies. So the learning goes both ways. This is very important that we can learn from each other and, uh, and that we document this and uh, uh, having the chapters and we also like other, well, teams is one actor in the global emergency management, but we are complementary to many other organizations and we are always open to cooperation because stronger uh, we can uh, be better when we work together on issues. So, 
it's not only teams information, it's whatever can be made available from good and important sources of information. Does that include things that didn't go well? Not just the, the good aspects, but the negative things, you know, don't do this kind of thing, but try this. So you're capturing what you can continue doing uh, with what you shouldn't do. I think you are completely right. This is something we often overlook because sometimes when you put focus on what went wrong, you're always, uh, you can have the feeling that you're trying to find a scapegoat. This must not be the case. With, uh, people do errors, people fail, but we must focus on why do they fail and how can we avoid this in the future. So you're right. Also, what you shouldn't do is as important as other things you can learn from uh, lessons learned. Okay. So on that note, we're going to take a break and we're going to come right back and we're going to talk about the people that work in emergency response and emergency management and find out what kind of person they need to be, what skills they need to be and how they can enhance those skills. And we're going to touch base on something I know that's near and dear to Harold's heart is some certification. So we'll be right back. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Now there's a new destination for video content. VoiceAmerica.tv Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High definition, premier quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support If you're an influencer, you don't follow the trends, you set them. Voice America influencers are involved in creating change in personal and professional lives, collaborating and driving value to make our lives better. We have world-renowned thought leaders, speakers, authors, entrepreneurs, artists, and some of the most influential voices today. Listen in today to what they have to say. Engage in the conversation. The Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Answer the call. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. And welcome back to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fulick. And my guest, 
Mr. Harold Drager, the president of the International Emergency Management Society. Uh, Harold, before we went on break, we were talking about what emergency management is, and you went through a great description, mitigation, preparedness, response, and recovery. And now I'd like to touch base on something else. The second part of, of that is the people that work in those industries that create these plans. What kind of skills and knowledge do they need to have and what abilities do they need? And where do they get that awareness and training from? And, you know, because I know certification and training is something that's very near and dear to you. So what, what, what do you have to say about that? Well, uh, I would like to say that actually everybody, whatever skills they have, can involve themselves in emergency management. Because this goes from practical things in the field uh, up to academic ways and models, modeling, simulation, very advanced uh, IT solutions, etc. So all kind of people, you find all kind of people involved. And sometimes uh, when we talk about this, it might sound like it's only those working with the academic things that are important. But actually, people working in the field. So this is a long line of people from practitioners, uh, first responders, up to people sitting uh, and doing development of uh, tools, software, whatever can be used. And so we have in teams what, what we do, we try, when we create the chapters, uh, we try to get the people, we have the board of directors in every chapter, and all these groups together form more than 100 volunteers on a quite high level, academic level, practical level, with quite different kind of experience. And having these people communicate is, is what I see as the important thing. And based on this, we feel that uh, emergency management uh, is practiced maybe a little bit differently in different places in the world based on culture. But there are some common international knowledge which everybody working in this in the global field should know. And that's why we in teams have taken the initiative to make what we call an international certification. We call it QIEDM certification, meaning qualification in international emergency and disaster management. And in here, we will build up that you have some global skills, which is necessary, and then the different chapters uh, is then expected to add what we call local knowledge. So this is both international and local knowledge. All this uh, certification, we try to build up uh, something we call uh, Teams Academy, where all kind of educational material will be made available, cheap as possible, hopefully without any charts, because we like to reach out internationally to those who doesn't have access to this um, ed uh, this educational material. Uh, mm -hmm. For example, U.S. have a long tradition, six more than 60 years back, 
with emergency management as a profession, while other countries just started to look into this. And some of them are lacking a lot of material, and we use the chapters in order to provide that material. And through this, Teams Academy, we will make this material available, and we will then start what we call an international certification where everything should be done online. So you can take then an exam online and be certified, but we have to then the first test that the qualification is there. So, summing up, emergency management is everything uh, you actually are dealing with in your life. So, it's it's actually building on two points that you just mentioned. Um, the think locally and act globally, because you've got your 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 global uh, certification standard, but you're taking points from the local level as well, the practitioners. And when doing that, you're capturing your lessons learned, the good and the bad, which we spoke about earlier, correct? Yes, you're correct. And this is the important thing. Because, uh, well, uh, sometimes uh, when I'm out, I meet people. And uh, I had one experience in, uh, in Germany where there was a lot of volunteers working. And... Uh, I asked them, this was, um, this was a simulation of some different types of accidents. I think they had uh, 300 volunteers working. And in the sum-up, they had a good sum-up. And uh, then I asked them, okay, guys, you are now documenting what you have learned. What I found out, they had not, because the day after, one of the young guys came over to me and said, listen, uh, we have been talking about what you talked about yesterday, and we have now decided to do this documentation every time we do the summer. I was surprised they hadn't done it in the past. But, you know, uh, young people don't think uh, about this need in the beginning. And uh, this is so important. So uh, that I could say something which they then used after that was, I was very happy with that. But I think this happens many, many places. People forget to document. They do the same errors over again. <clears throat> so they never learn from their lessons. <laughs> well, unfortunately, this um, is happening too much. But if we can build a database where everybody can have access we will move slowly forward with also these things. But uh, as, as you said, education is fundamental to everything. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that's great. So uh, anyone who's interested in emergency management, uh, feel free to uh, stop by the Teams website, teams.org, T-I-E-M-S.org, especially for information on the certification and training opportunities. Yes, you're uh, right. Now, Yep. Now, based on some of the this uh, learning database, I know teams and yourself, you're involved with projects to actually help uh, gain some of this um, knowledge and experience and uh, some of the uh, academia uh, that research that's going on out there. Can you tell us some of the uh, things that teams is uh, and projects that teams is involved with? 
Yeah, this is a good question because this is another thing when you work with uh, emergency management, you also have to look into the crystal ball and see what is needed for the future. We learn lessons, but we also have to take these lessons and develop tools, methodologies, systems, whatever needed in order to improve uh, emergency management. And in the European Union, they have a huge research uh, fund, and every year there is uh, calls which ask for proposals for different things. Uh, teams as an organization participate in this because we have we are good at dissemination of results. We are good with a lot of uh, experts around the world and uh, and we are international, which are important also for the European Union. And we have been lucky and are involved in two projects today. One project is uh, called ACID. It is about pandemics because um, and finding new and better ways of communica communication between the public and the authorities. The background for this was that uh, during the swine flu, uh, the World Health Organization and the authorities came out and they tried to be um, uh, warning and saying this might be a very bad uh, pandemic. It happened and it turned out that this wasn't so bad. And by this, the trust between the authorities and the public actually degraded. People started to think, why did they warn us this way? Was it to make uh, a vaccine that the uh, pharmaceutical companies should uh, uh, earn more money by selling more vaccines, etc., etc.? And the European Union have then initiated different projects, and this asset is looking out to how can we improve the communication between the public and the authorities and having what we call participatory governance. How can we involve the public in actually listen to them, have them to ask questions in a pandemic situation? So um, we have been involved now for uh, three and a half years, and the project will be ended at the end of this year. It's been a very fruitful. Uh, we, as engineers, have worked with psychologists, the doctors, and it's been all kinds of disciplines, and that's been the other important part of this project. The other project we are involved in is called Heraclis, uh, and this is about... Um, cultural heritage. The project is looking at how can we protect the cultural heritage sites in the world towards climate change. So uh, this has just started. We are into our uh, second year, and this will last for three years. But as you see, emergency management goes all the way here from cultural heritage to pandemics, and it's a long range of activities where this is, where emergency management is important and where the skills of the teams, uh, members and, uh, and uh, directors have something to give to these projects. Well, that's interesting that you mentioned the Heracles uh, project with the climate change uh, that 
I didn't think that that would be a part of emergency management. But it that's is. new. That's new. That's oh. a, a new aspect for me. Absolutely, because well, what we have been doing in this project, uh, they are trying to develop a computer model, which can take the status of every site, look at uh, is there any degradation, what are the risks, and what are the um, risks these sites are facing. Mostly, it is weather. It might be uh, sea. It might be uh, earthquakes, as you recently have seen what happened in Italy. Many of the uh, cultural heritage sites was uh, actually destroyed by the last earthquakes. Because mm -hmm. we, we have to admit that cultural heritage is very important for us, for our own development. So take care of them is very important. In the project Heracles, we have three sites as example sites. One is um, uh, Heraklon, which is a fortress from 1400 in Crete. And uh, the other one is um, uh, the Gubbio uh, city in Italy, which is from um, uh, a middle... Uh, a medieval, medieval city where uh, we are looking at different uh, sites of this. And the last one is uh, the Minion culture, Knossos Palace in uh, Crete, which is more than 5,000 years old. So these are different things. And to be part of this is so fantastic. You learn, We learn a lot, but we can also provide uh, risk analysis as tools for looking into it and coming up with solutions. How can we protect these very valuable uh, sites for the future? Wow. Well, it would be a shame to lose you know some of those sites okay. you know, the, the, because they're they're so important to everyone's heritage. This is where our you know where we all come from at some point. So it'd be terrible to lose them to climate change. So now that we've gone through the projects that you're involved with, um, we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and then we're going to talk to Harold and find out some of his personal experiences, things that he's gone through and um, been involved with and provide some tips for people because um, we've been talking about how much emergency response impacts our everyday life to find out what tips uh, Harold has for us that we could maybe be able to leverage in our daily lives to help us. Remember this, think locally, act globally. So even though, as Harold mentioned, this project is focusing on sites in uh, Crete and in other locations, that's maybe global for North American list listeners or people in South America, but on a local level, you know, what things can we do for us? So we'll be right back, and we're talking with K. Harold Drager, of the president of the International Emergency Management Society. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. 
Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's Hot Topics. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. And welcome back to Preparing for the Unexpected. And we're talking today with Mr. K. Harold Drager, the president of the International Emergency Management Society. And in this segment, we're going to talk about some of Harold's experiences, things that he's gone through and either helped with or been heavily involved with. And... Um, hopefully provide us with some personal tips, you know, on what we can do in our daily lives to improve our emergency management response and, you know, our mitigation and our preparedness. So, Harold, tell us about some of the things that you've been through. All right. Thank you, uh, Alex. Actually, I would like to start with my way I came out as a, uh, as an engineer in 1960. And then I started to work with the Norske Veritas, and I got involved in a project where the purpose was to put the computer on board a Norwegian ship and use this for uh, uh, engine room um, maintenance and uh, alarm giving, also use it for um, anti-collision and also for administrative tools. And we talk about 1967. And this means we used the first computer developed by a Norwegian computer company. 
and we had a memory of 32K. It was as big <laughs> as a shoebox. And um, we worked in assembly and machine code, and we actually got this operating, and you find this today on the Norwegian Maritime Museum. So from this back with the 32K for all those tasks, you can think how computers have development, how developed, and being what I say, fantastic tools for emergency management today. Mm -hmm. I was also lucky when I, when I took my thesis for the engineering studies, I worked at the Norwegian Defense Research Institute. And there they developed actually the forerunner of this computer we used on board this ship. And uh, I did at that time, my thesis was actually making a flight control system for the Norwegian uh, Fornebu Airport. Actually, at that time, they only have paper strips. So when uh, 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 the, the airplanes come in, they were reporting by voice, uh, telephone, and they were writing on these strips. What I did, putting this together on a computer. And that was very advanced at that time. And this computer you find on the Technical Museum in Norway. So my first work as an engineer is on the museum. But that means I'm not ready for it. But uh, this means I learned a lot. Because we worked with computers down to the nitty-gritty le level. We have seen the development the storage today on my um, uh, my iPhone, which I use for this interview, is many, 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 many times larger than what we had available. And uh, then, uh, over the time, uh, I've been worked with different projects in different parts of the world, and I have been, uh, what I say, lucky. I've learned a lot, and all this experience today I put into uh, teams, because that's that's my baby, that's what I want to see, and that will be my legacy. And uh, I also been, I think I'm welcomed all over the world, because this is getting more and more important, unfortunately. We see more and more disasters, and we have to be more and more clever how to deal with them, how to develop tools, uh, how to develop software, and from working actually in machine code and assembly code, uh, I don't do programming today, but I understand very well the programming because still it is based on one and zero, and even if it's high-level languages. So uh, I, I was fortunate uh, in uh, my start in my career and through the Norske Veritas, which was very, is a very global company, I learned to be international, and since then I've put all my uh, my uh, experience into teams. And I actually, through this, I have also been, um, so I'm also visiting professor to, uh, to have uh, 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 um, university in China, and one in Saudi Arabia. So the, I feel they value my experience, and uh, that uh, is also some experience, because there is a long way in culture between Saudi Arabia and China. 
So uh, by doing this, I learn a lot, and I try to take this into how we direct teams for the future. So how did you get heavily involved into emergency management then from programming into, you know, what what did you see? What was that uh, spark that said, hey, I could use this in, you know, emergency management? How did you get there? And were the, do you have any stories that you're able to tell us of disasters that you helped companies or communities or individuals through? Actually, I did, because when you work with uh, ship classification, meaning uh, the Noscobertas, they make uh, rules how to build uh, ships, how to make them safe. So safety was the main focus. And mm. I was fortunate in this work because I was also a member of the board of the Noscobertas for five years. But uh, I left behind... At that time, because I've been working for 50 years, you know, I've been through a period with, with tremendous development. And uh, what came in the beginning of the 80s or late 70s was, um, uh, was uh, a control system for keeping uh, dynamic controlling of ships. And then when Wertas saw this was coming, uh, I had the responsibility to develop rules. How do we build? What is the requirements we have to put up for a for a dynamic positioning system? Keeping the, for example, a drilling rig over its drilling hole, and that was in, uh, that was very important work. And uh, later on, when I left Veritas, the first work I did uh, found my own company working further with safety and then more and more into emergency management. And the first work I did was actually being <clears throat> quality control manager of the upturning of the Alexander uh, Shellan rig. This was a rig that it was a pen- pentagon, five legs. It was a living platform in the North Sea. And it tipped over in one of the big storms in the North Sea. So they recruited me, and I had the responsibility for quality assurance of the upturning. It took six months, and that, again, I I learned a lot. So from there on, we got into different work. And because, uh, you know, the Norwegian offshore industry... Uh, developed very fast. And one thing we got very much involved in was evacuation. And again, computers have been my tool all my life. And we developed computer programs. We simulated, we modeled, for example, the rigs with the people in different locations. Then we did look at it from uh, point of what kind of disasters, fires, explosions, etc., could happen, and then the, we did simulate the um, uh, we did simulate uh, the evacuation time, how people could get out, because there was a requirement that the evacuation route should be kept up so and so long. So we would find out would this uh, ship or rig actually uh, be safe enough to evacuate the people before it broke down. 
Uh, so we have evacuated by simulation many of the rigs, both in the Norwegian and the um, uh, British sector in the North Sea. That was a very interesting work. And uh, uh, another thing which happened, this was, uh, well, that was in the, in the 90s. I can't tell. We had a ferry between... Um, uh, between Norway and Denmark, which took on f uh, fire, and I think 156 people was killed. And since my company had the reputation to be good on evacuation, we were asked to do an investigation after the fact and come up with recommendation. How can we improve the evacuation routes based on the, this terrible disaster? So we have been involved, I've been involved in many, many interesting projects, all with disasters. And as you see, this moves slowly and slowly into emergency management. And when mm -hmm. I did take the initiative to create uh, the teams, actually, this was also a way that I felt some of the things we were developing in the evacuation field could have a global interest. So that was one of the motivations uh, I had when I took that initiative. Well, that's very interesting stuff, uh, I have to admit. Uh, there's, I, I didn't really think that we would go to the point of timing you know, evacuations. I see it in buildings, but really didn't realize that that happens on you know, oil rigs and you know, uh, ships and, and everything else. It's not... Things don't just happen. We actually have to test them to make sure they happen. And then as people with your expertise come along and provide recommendations on how do we improve on this. Yeah, and you know, when you are on the rig, things happen very fast, an explosion. Most you have to evacuate by uh, lifeboats. And uh, in uh, they have two different kinds of lifeboats. You have the conventional one, which you are launching, and you have the free-fall one. So we also simulated, this was a physical simulation, how does these uh, lifeboats behave when wind and explosion or whatever is around uh, to launch them in bad weather. So we got into quite the interesting stuff. Yes. Yeah, that, it definitely sounds interesting. So mm -hmm. what, kind of, what kind of tips do you have for people, you know, in general, you know, because we hopefully have listeners around the globe and we want to think, you know, locally and act globally. But what can we do on a local level to improve our, you know, emergency management knowledge or our response, uh, you know, our preparedness? What, what, what kind of things can you, you know, uh, pass on to our listeners? First of all, to, uh, I, I say that dedication and passion is very important, that you have both dedication and passion for what you do. And this is a field, unfortunately, becoming more and more important. So just engagement. But uh, I do use Internet today, and on Internet you find all kinds of information, and happily more and more for free. So... And for example, you have, um, we have a website. We are a small actor in this field, developing the organization uh, all the time. But you have, for example, UNOCHA, which have uh, 
quite a lot of information available for free on the Internet. You have the Red Cross, and you have FEMA with very good uh, educational material. So those who have interest, they could go to our website, or they, they, or we, we also are uh, connected with the other websites, but they can find all kinds of information online today. And also EU, uh, the European Union, they also have an emergency organization because uh, it's uh, which will act in any disaster to help a third country, for example. So my best um, my best advice would be take a day, search the internet, and find those places where you find relevant and best information. But these uh, big ones have very qualified stock, uh, qualified material. But there are other ones as well out there. Well, that's great. Thank you very much, Harold. And on that note, we're coming to the end of our show this week. I'd like to thank Harold for his insight and his uh, expertise here. Please check out the team's website, uh, www.tiems.org, for information and even some uh, emergency response tips, as uh, Harold alluded to, that we can direct you to. And otherwise, we will talk to you next week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Stay prepared. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.